This is a Wild Conversation. My name is Callum Hughes, and I'm a keeper at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And I'm Ashley Isaac, also a keeper at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And today on a Wild Conversation, we're going to be talking about World Wildlife Day. Yes, a very important day. Yeah, it's a day that we appreciate our flora and fauna that we share the planet with, and why mm-hmm. it's so important to protect it. Yeah, and in particular, you know, all those species that are struggling, critically endangered ones, really bring light to those ones. Can you think of any examples of any critically endangered species? I don't, I'm, very, I'm a very mammal person. Totally get so. that. There's definitely reptiles and amphibians to consider too. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of people are really worried about the entire group of amphibians um, because of their... Uh, they have they're very susceptible to new diseases changes mm-hmm. in the climate if it's too dry if it's too wet yeah. um, many people are warning that we might lose almost an entire group which would be crazy that'd be devastating yeah and they're so sensitive to things like chemicals you know and imbalances in our ecosystems they're the first ones that suffer when our ecosystems are struggling you know mm. so I can see that and I I don't really want to live in a world that has no frogs. Definitely not. You know? <laughs> I mean, you imagine you're going somewhere and you can't hear the frogs calling at night in the summer. Oh, my god! I don't know about you, but I find that soothing. It is. And you get it a lot here at the zoo, too. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. We, <laughs> uh, we, before in the past, have done, like, these events where we had, like, big sleepovers inside the zoo. We used to do it for, like, staff events, too. We'd all stay in the picnic area and all night was just frogs it's all you could hear you'd expect it to be like lions or the wolves no it's the wild frogs frogs take all the other uh, dominant callers <laughs> yeah, we actually contribute to a uh, conservation project regarding an endangered amphibian here yes, at the zoo right the oregon spotted frog and we've done amazing work to help their numbers it's pretty amazing like the work that they do i don't know if you've actually have you actually gone um into the conservation area and seen what they do Honestly, I gotta confess, I haven't been in that area yet. Yeah. One is because I'm absolutely terrified of touching anything. I shouldn't, um, because you know, endangered species. You feel like you're you're handling something fragile. It's like it's like oh, holding yeah. someone's baby, you know. Yep. Um, except it's the entire species protect practically. Well, and I guess all of your your animals too are on the complete opposite side of the zoo, so you don't even really drive past the conservation corner. No. It's yeah. right next to your uh, cougars, right? Yeah, it's right near the cougars, right up in that corner. And they have a setup up there with tubs and like more of like an outdoor area for them. And then in our back area, they also have um, like a bit of a facility set up, especially for winter. For in the winter, a lot of stuff gets moved mm. into the, the barn. It's pretty impressive. I have been through there. I've seen. So they do work with the organ spotted frogs, the western painted turtle, and the Taylor's checker spotted butterfly. And I've seen some of the work that they do with it, uh, and it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I actually did that in university before I had. Well, when I was working here as a co-op, I did a uh, program with the lead biologist for really? a week. Yeah, it was really cool. But we actually um, were surveying for rubber boas, which is a type of snake, out here in BC. And then afterwards, because we had found no evidence of rubber boas. She was like, well, that was a very sad trip. Do you want to come see my frogs and turtles? I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> that, that's the amazing thing about captive breeding programs for reptiles mm-hmm. is that you can get results in captivity at the very least quickly. You can get yeah. a large captive breeding program. Mm-hmm. I know that, um, for example, the Chinese alligator was doing really bad when I was a kid. Um, but then they had all these programs in different zoos 
where they've been um, breeding them all over the world and brought their numbers up to above 10,000 in captivity. And That's I think amazing. they have above 10,000 in just captive breeding programs in China alone. Oh, wow. Um, so the only problem is, is that although we've got the population back up, the problem that they're facing, which is habitat loss because of encroachment of farmland and rice paddies, mm -hmm. um, where they were seen as a pest because they dig up the banks that farmers would use to set up their rice paddies, um, means that they there isn't really enough habitat to set up a population of above 10,000 at this time. Yeah. So they're still endangered in the wild. It's just that we do have the individuals to repopulate. But the next stage is to make sure that we're able to get enough habitat for them to support a population. That we, yeah, that we have the space for them. And, you know, that is one of the nice things about reptiles is that they reproduce so quickly. You yes. Know? They have so many offspring that it does make it a lot easier to try and get their numbers up. Whereas when you're trying to, like, repopulate rhinos, you know, a mother rhino has one calf every four years. Mm. It's a much slower process. And more risk, you know, yeah. if you lose an animal, it's a massive blow. Um, That's true. And yeah, a frog or an amphibian or a reptile, they might breed every year and produce hundreds of eggs. You know, you can make sure every egg or most of those eggs hatch. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to one animal, one baby, you only get one shot and very few chances to learn from any mistakes that you make. Oh yeah, no, you so. don't want any mistakes whatsoever. Definitely not. I know that there were great challenges with the... Uh, Sumatran rhino and it took them I think a hundred and something years before we actually had the first successful birth in captivity oh yeah for the Sumatran rhino wow and that was I think with the C Cincinnati Zoo I believe um, I from what I read um, but this year for uh, World Wildlife uh, Day it is uh, the theme because every year they have a different theme mm -hmm. is um, protecting or restoring key species to restore and preserve ecosystems. Which is so vitally important. Mm. Like that's a fantastic theme, honestly. Because without those key integral pieces of the ecosystem, there's only so much you can do. You know, it's still going to be a struggle to keep everything together. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, there was a famous conservationist in the States, I believe, called Aldo... I I think you I know? already know what you're talking about. All right, beat me I, to the chase, I, go on. I, is it the one with the wolves? The yes. The whole wolf thing. Ah, oh, I totally know what you're talking about. Yes, continue. I'm I think sorry. he's... No, I just no. got really excited. <laughs> <laughs> his, uh, his name, I believe, is Aldo... Or Aldeo Leopold. Um, and I'm so bad with names. I got so many animal names in my head, I got no people names left. I'm sorry. <laughs> totally get it. <laughs> um, he actually started off... His conservation belief was, we need to wipe out the large carnivores to make sure we've got enough game to hunt you mm -hmm. know because they're eating our food we need to wipe them out so they started this program of wiping out the bears the cougars the wolves so they get more deer um then he noticed something funny as the deer the wolves and bears and and cougars disappeared he noticed that the habitat around him started degrading like the yeah. mountains started crumbling there was more erosion the young trees were dying yeah. um and the deer started to look sick, you know? They mm -hmm. started getting skinny and nasty. They didn't have enough food, but there was masses of them. Because they were overpopulating. Exactly. There was nothing controlling their population. Yeah, and I think I remember one of the other things that happened was because they were overeating. They were destroying the plant life that uh, a lot of banks of rivers started to crumble. And so 
rivers and shorelines and they all just started to degrade away i remember that that was pretty mm -hmm. fascinating to learn about so he completely changed his belief system mm -hmm. and decided the predators are needed we need them to control their numbers because this isn't what we want we, no. we want our environment to be yeah. stable and the deer that we've got aren't healthy and we're yeah. getting diseases like lyme's disease is exploding for example yeah. um he one thing he used to say is that humans are the keepers of the cogs right so like the mm -hmm. cogs and gears in a machine yeah like i like to think of an ecosystem like think of it like a car right there you could take parts off your car and you could probably still drive to work certain parts aren't going to affect you much but each time you take something you risk the chance of the car not working at all but also it becomes more difficult for you to do what the car basically does mm -hmm. like imagine you remove the window wipers right well, you can no longer drive when it rains. I'm sorry, in, in BC, that is such a bad idea. <laughs> we get so much rain. Exactly. Every time it rained, you'd have to pull over. If you take yeah. out the bulbs of your headlights, you can't drive in the dark. Yeah. Um, and this is assuming no one would pull you over, of course, straight over for that. <laughs> um, but then, you know, you take out the oil of a car, it burns up, and eventually your vehicle stops. It explodes, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, someone did that to my car. Oh, I'm it, sorry. It wasn't good. <laughs> It wasn't good. <laughs> but I mean, the, the point is, is that every time a species disappears from the ecosystem, mm -hmm. it's a gamble. You never know what will happen to that ecosystem, yeah. what things will be thrown out of balance. And that affects us, you know, economically, recreationally, um, mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of unforeseen circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, the ecosystem is complicated, a lot more complicated than we even understand. Even to this day, you know, we're discovering things. We have no idea what kind of an impact we're making until sometimes it's too late. Hmm. You know, you take one animal out of the ecosystem and everything else suffers. One, one prime example of that um, are wolves. Mm -hmm. You know, when they wiped out wolves from most of America, I think almost complete, they were completely wiped out from the United States. Um, oh. they, it was only thanks to Canadian wolves. Yeah, that that's right. <laughs> that's right. Flown Sorry. in, dropped in for a mission. They had to control the deer Flown. numbers. Um, and uh, the idea, what, what they didn't realize was the effects. So what if I told you that wolves provide fish with cold water? What do you mean? Do you have any idea how that would work? No. So it's not that the wolves... I was wolves also drinking when you said that. <laughs> Confused. No, no, completely get that. So basically what they found was is that the deer would want to hang around where the food is mm -hmm. and you're going to get more fresh grass growing from the silt around the rivers, for example, or better oh, yeah. tree cover. So the deer with no wolves around can eat all day. They never have to worry about a predator uh, attacking them. They can be in areas where they're likely to be ambushed and just keep munching away. Yeah. And as a result, there's less tree cover around the rivers. Less shade means that the water is constantly in the sun, which mm -hmm. can warm up the water. Um, other things is when a deer species has to run away from a wolf, it has to run as fast as it can, tearing up the soil, ripping yeah. up the layers so that it allows water to infiltrate into the soil better, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to they just have to walk. They never need to run ever because there's Meander nothing to run right. about. Yeah. Um, so, and why this is important is because cold water holds more oxygen. It also, warmer water might have more diseases, more bacteria that might affect um, the fish. 
uh, and there are some economically important fish species that really need cold water. For example, you know which one I'm talking about? What? Economically uh, important fish in Canada. Oh my gosh, I should know this. Salmon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you just like pointed at me all of a sudden. I got real confused. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm a, I have a thing for fish and I really want to get you to love fish. I know. It's true. It's going to happen. I got it. You know what? Salmon though. Salmon are pretty, pretty great. I do really like salmon. But it's, it's, it's amazing how like you don't think about these things at first, you know, like the deer running and tearing up the ground. Not everyone's going to be like, oh, I didn't realize that that was even important. You know, running versus walking can cause changes in our ecosystem, you know? Absolutely. And it's not even just the big species, you know? It's not just wolves and deer that are affecting our ecosystem. It's insects. It's the plants themselves, you know? So if we have mm -hmm. invasive plants taking over, like I think, what is it called? It's really bad out here. It's like the canary reed grass. Okay. It's been taking over a lot of our wetlands and river spaces, and they just completely take over. It almost it destroys some of the biodiversity in those areas. Mm. And those plants, you know, they might not contribute to the soil in the same way, you know? Right. It's remarkable how all those and you walk by and you just think, "Oh, that's grass." That's fine, but it actually might be an invasive species taking over our native flora. Definitely something to think about yeah. and to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. I know that I've seen uh, along the parkways they've been spraying to kill off some of the knotweeds and they give you warnings for that as well. Oh, knotweed is so nuts. Man, it's funny too because invasive species are often viewed as the exotic species that come mm -hmm. in and do better. But sometimes an invasive species can be a native species that becomes invasive when another species that controls it is wiped out or a competitor. Yeah. A good species here in Canada that's uh, making a comeback um, is uh, sea otters. Yes. Uh, and you know what they oh do, right? My gosh. I was in Tofino not too long ago, and we saw sea otters. And it's very exciting because they were actually extirpated from that area for a very long time. And they're finding that they're slowly coming back. Oh, my God. Which is God. so exciting. Tofino yeah. on uh, Vancouver Island. On Vancouver Island. Oh. The western side. I'm so bad. I'm so jealous. I want to see a sea otter so bad. It's on my bucket list. It was so cute. Yeah, we went whale watching and saw no whales. But we saw sea otters, so I was completely happy. Win-win. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely yeah. a win. I had never been to Tofino, and I had also never been whale watching, and I had never seen sea otter. It was a good vacation. <laughs> good, good. I'm right? glad to hear that. It was amazing. And yeah, you know exciting. what species they control, right? Sea urchins. And why is that important? Oh, sea urchins. Sea urchins are nuts. I was actually learning a few things about them. Like, um, they secrete a chemical. They can actually bore themselves into rocks. Did you know that? I did not. I didn't know that either. So uh, my boyfriend was telling me about this. So we were on a few rocks and they were just absolutely covered. It looked like someone had just been like pelting them with like this circular little like boop, 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 boop all along the entire rock. I was like, what is this? He's like, oh, those sea urchins. They used to, they had taken over this area and damaged all of the, basically, rocks right along the coast, which is nuts. So a bit like the deer destroying the banks and the sides mm -hmm. of the mountains, they would destroy the, the sides of the rocks and, and destroy the kelp forests. Too. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's crazy to think what happens when an ecosystem goes out of whack. And 
our aquatic ecosystem is the same as our terrestrial ecosystem. Like we don't think about it sometimes, at least for me growing up, the ocean felt like a different planet. You know? Yeah. You're learning about it. Oh, but it's the same thing. There are predators. There are the like herbivores. There's detrivores. There's different layers to our ecosystem, different areas where things hide, different niches where things basically flourish you know Mm. i mean i guess you would technically know more about that since you're a fish farmer (laughs) well i mean (laughs) no i wouldn't say so (laughs) fish farms and ocean aren't the same what yes definitely i I was a uh, inland fish farm freshwater so a little bit different uh, yeah a little bit different (laughs) lots of maintenance i think um but uh, I know here in Canada as well, um, they've been working on restoring prairie land. It's actually uh, a, uh, a piece of ecosystem that we don't talk about much. Rainforests often take the bulk or grassland, take the bulk, well, prairies are grassland, but I mean, savanna takes the bulk of what we talk about when we think of nature, but we don't often think of the prairie land that was um, basically taken over by farmland and ranch land mm-hmm. and certain areas are being protected and I believe there's been work on bringing back bison and uh, prairie dogs prairie dogs being a really important species to other species um, I think they're the reason that black-footed ferrets um, almost became extinct is because of the disease of the uh, decline in the prairie dog population and because of the introduction of certain diseases like canine distemper mm-hmm. and so they didn't have that prey species to be able to sustain themselves. I know that they tried to reintroduce um, um, black-footed ferrets here in uh, Canada. Um, I know that Mm -hmm. the Toronto Zoo has a good breeding program um, for that species. Unfortunately, though, I think the recently released species didn't make it due to a drought and an outbreak of canine distemper again. Oh, no. Um, So unfortunately, it's an example of a project that's still ongoing. They still have to collect more data and figure out how they can restore that species back to Mm -hmm. its place safely. Yeah. Well, Um, luckily, they still have the species within captive facilities, so there is hope for them. Yeah. And there are wild populations in the States. It's just it hasn't, the species hasn't been returned to Canada yet. So uh, fingers crossed that we can uh, do that in the future. Yeah, hopefully. Mm. I'm sure if we put our mind to it, we can get everything figured out. (laughs) Absolutely. Are there any other species um, that you can think of that's worth mentioning? Mm. Oh my gosh. Keep putting me on the spot, man. Sorry. My, my brain is not you, you working You can put me today. on the spot. I can give you an example first while you think about it yeah, if you want. Yeah, you do it. You first. All right. Another captive, uh, another species that's important to the ecosystem. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be the big predators, for example. It can be the smaller are, stuff. Yeah, those are always easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Think of the big ones. <laughs> um, we often um, don't look at the microbial stuff. So the importance of uh, the... Uh, Funguses in the soil, for example. Yeah, which are incredibly important. mm, Like they uh, connect many of the ecosystems and Mm -hmm. uh, connect many of uh, the different species in that ecosystem. And I think there's been a lot of research on how um, fungi in the soil can actually communicate where resources are needed and where resources aren't needed, almost like an intricate network. That is fascinating. I know there's a guy. I did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. I know there's a guy who talks about that on a YouTube video. It's pretty complex. 
Um, but uh, interesting to think that there is something that acts almost like mm-hmm. brain synapses together, you know, like sending yeah. messages. That is that is insane. And probably super, super, super complicated. Definitely. But it's complicated in our own brains, you know, so any kind of communication over long distances like that. Uh, the other thing, too, with things like funguses and insects and those little things is their ability to break down material, mm. you know. So if you lose fungi, you lose your insects, you lose things that start breaking down the dead leaf litter and um, tree trunks and stuff like that, you get forests that'll just become overrun with debris. It's natural debris, but what you want is you want that to break down, become mm. part of the soil. Basically, you know, you get access to those nutrients so that we can grow again, right? So if you don't have those things in the ecosystem, your ecosystem is going to suffer. Definitely. And that yeah. sounds like a massive risk of forest fires too, if that yeah. material is just lying there drying out. For sure. Definitely. Mm. We don't need any more of those. Definitely not. Um, what's also worth mentioning is the species that give us uh, ecosystem services. So I know there's a lot of concern right now on honeybees. Um, oh, yeah. Because they are just so vital. Um, I know that there is a place in, I think it's China or Asia, and mm-hmm. due to the uh, altitude of these fruiting trees they have, and there's not that many pollinators there, and they want to pick the varieties. They have to pollinate the trees by hand using a paintbrush. Wow. Now, this is just something to think about. I feel like it's not an example of um, pollinators being wiped out, but it's an example of what life would be like if if we didn't have those pollinators. That's nuts. Could you imagine how expensive apples would have to be or how poorly paid employees at a farm would have to be in order for us to hand pollinate by brush Every single flower on a fruiting tree. That's terrifying. It's horrifying, isn't it? Oh, and then every time you have one of those apples that like falls off and you didn't notice and he rots away. No! (laughs) Yeah. All of my effort. You know, if someone took a bite out of an apple, they could get arrested for that. That's how valuable those would be, you know? Yeah. Um, Either no one would be able to afford having apples ever again um, or... um, we would need to really advance our technology, which to me sounds like a, you know, it, we've already got creatures or drones effectively working for us, doing their own thing, but it also yeah. benefits us. It does, remarkably so. And I think that's why I've I have started to see a lot more people who actually have been keeping bees in their own properties, mm-hmm. like out in rural areas, because I live out in kind of more of a rural area. Area I've noticed a lot of beekeeping houses you know more people are getting on top of that and understanding just how important they are Hmm. yeah i know that's one of the reasons that people were so terrified of i mean they've been advertised in the newspapers as murder hornets um but they're the giant asian hornet yeah um i watched a documentary on them and uh, you see footage of them completely decimating a hive of european honeybees um and it's it's like a battle it's like a war but it's like the bees outnumber the hornets but the hornets are like three four times the size and completely decimate um then rob all the lava from the hive and beekeepers are especially worried of this species catching on here in canada um, or north america because of the increased pressure that would be put on 
honeybees that are already feeling effects from mm -hmm. parasites, diseases. Um, so uh, definitely a shout out to any listeners. If you do see an Asian, um, a giant Asian hornet, uh, make sure that you report it. If you can get uh, video or photo evidence, that'd be great. But if you can swat the animal and actually have a live specimen to hand over to our Fish and Wildlife Service, that would be important. Yeah, incredibly important. Um, so it's invasive species can be a problem. Pollution can be a problem. We should be thinking about this on a day-to-day -day basis. Hmm. No. And a, a good reason to call it World Wildlife Day, because it's recognized by the UN, um, is it's also important that we work together as people, you know, mm -hmm. different countries, different nations, because animals don't recognize borders. They don't recognize our borders. They don't. <laughs> they cross, they migrate. Um, here in North America, I know we have the Migratory Bird Act, um, which yeah. basically protects a migratory species that is protected in one country as it moves to another mm -hmm. because it would make no sense if it was protected here in Canada but it was open season in America and the animal made that cross every year for example yeah you're gonna decimate the species exactly and a lot of bird species do that like we have so many I think I've been seeing a lot of our bird species coming back just now now that we're kind of entering into the end of winter it's good I don't know to if see. Notice that I have. It's very exciting. Yeah. Absolutely, and to hear the bird calls, like we have the hummingbirds, <laughs> how they make that journey on those tiny wings, is is beyond me. Yeah, you got to think about that whenever you're having a rough day at work, and you're like, oh, I can't do this. But hummingbirds, they can do. They can cross <laughs> the ocean. That's that's where I get an idea. Hummingbirds. Okay, I need more sugar in my coffee. Like lots and lots and lots of sugar. I've got this. Oh, maybe that's why I always load up my tea with sugar. That's what <laughs> you I'm need to have about. like five different teas based around where you work. So you're going from flower to flower to flower <laughs> to stay energized. You know. I am the hummingbird. <laughs> but uh, things like that, working together, helping each other out, making sure that we um, enforce laws abroad because. In one country, it might be protected and it might be impossible, which is a good thing to buy the uh -huh. parts. But in another country, it might have a huge demand. And maybe people who are, are, are guilty of trafficking or um, transporting or selling these goods aren't prosecuted in the same way, which mm -hmm. means that there's um, less uh, deterrent for people to get involved in that business. Yeah. Um, we also need to help each other out. Sometimes, like, for example, the success story of wolves returning to the United States. Yeah. That is because some animals were still, we have wolf, uh, populations of wolves in Canada here. Mm -hmm. So we're able to transport some individuals back down to the United States um, to make sure that, one, they have a genetically diverse population. Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> <laughs> That's inspirational. I like yes. that. Yeah. So it's really important that we work together, but also that we reach out and we make it clear to everyone because in a world where we have such great technology, mm -hmm. it's hard to connect to the um, natural world. You know, we need to take times to go to our national parks, to watch the wildlife documentaries, mm -hmm. um, anything that feels like connects you to nature. Um, yeah, of course. We, we need to just pay attention to what's around us because we're so, if you really stop and take a look around you you are surrounded by beauty you know even mm. in the smallest ways even in your own back garden or in down the street if you have a park nearby there's beauty in nature you know absolutely we just got to recognize it 
If anyone has any questions for us regarding World Wildlife Day or how we can better uh, protect or conserve species, don't hesitate to contact us at podcast at gvzoo.com. I'm Callum Hughes. And I'm Ashley Wysick. And this has been A Wild Wild Conversation. Conversation.